0: Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We're talking Red Lake walleye fishing today with Tony Kennedy from the Minnesota DNR. Tony is a large lake specialist out of the Bemidji office. Tony, thanks for joining the show.
0: Yeah, happy to be here.
1: Uh, Alongside our our co-host Blake Collison with us as well today. Uh, Big news this week, and it's something that I think everybody looks forward to, at least in the ice fishing world, is uh, winter regulations for Upper Red Lake recently released. Bag limits on Upper Red will be three fish daily with one over 17 inches allowed in possession. Uh, Tony, can you talk a little bit about how the bag limits are set on Upper upper Red Lake?
0: Sure. So Red Lake is managed um, with the harvest plan that has been written and approved uh, through the Red Lake Fisheries Technical Committee, which is comprised of the state of Minnesota, the Red Lake Band, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, as well as a representative from the University of Minnesota. Uh, So the original harvest plan was written in 2005 before the fishery was reopened. Uh, After 10 years of fishing, the, the plan was revised in 2015, once we realized that we could take, you uh, I mean, we had started pretty conservatively, you know, understandably so after the Red Lake history. So um, we loosened things up a little bit and, um, and got a little bit larger target harvest ranges. Uh, but so there's, uh, there are multiple different target harvests depending on how many mature females we have in the population, sometimes called spawning stock biomass. And uh, so when spawning stock biomass is in what we call our optimal condition, uh, we have one target harvest and when we're in surplus as we have been most years actually since we've been open um, then we have an even more aggressive uh, target harvest which then leads to more liberal limits um, so it's really everything boils down to how many mature females are in the population and that's determined through our fall gill net assessment which we finish each year like in early october It takes about a month uh, for us to get all the nets run and uh, then once that comes out we take a look at it and make that decision uh and come up with the winter regulation
2: that's that's really really good to know so when we look back to like previous years like last year for example um it was a four fish limit on upper red lake why the you know what was the the kind of background detail as to why it changed to three this year
0: yep so that let me get my year straight so the in the 2022 harvest year which last winter would be the first half our harvest years actually start december 1st so the winter comes first uh, partially because that comes right after we get our new information from the gill nets and then partially because winter is a higher pressure uh, period where there's more harvest uh, potential. But So last year we were in the surplus condition, so our target harvest was uh, 240 to 336,000 pounds, uh, so we could have that more aggressive limit. Uh, for the 2023 harvest year, uh, we're in the, that optimal condition with a target harvest of 120 to 240,000 pounds. Um, so the three fish limit gives us a better chance of ending uh, the twenty-three harvest year in within the target range. Very
1: good. Uh, you know, you go to a lot of lakes. Of so just about every lake you pull up up to, Tony, uh, you see things there minimum minimum size fish. You know, you got to be over fourteen, over fifteen, you know, whatever it is. On red, it's effectively a maximum size limit. What what is it about red that makes it special? That that's how you manage the lake rather than managing with a minimum size limit, you're, you're basically, you know, working with a maximum size limit.
0: Yeah, so when, well, when we first opened the fishery, we used a protected slot quite a bit, um, which was generally 17 to 26 inches protected. And then for a while we used a 20 to 26 inch protected slot. Um, and the idea of those protected slots is to give you um, protection, basically full protection of those spawning size females. Um, we realized that we were actually being overprotective of those size fish and there's a number of males especially at 17 inches that recruit into that size and then they were essentially protected the rest of their lives and um so we thought there was room for some more harvest on those fish so uh we decided that um you know there would have been some talk well you know what about one in the slot or something and that's kind of complicated um and so we just went with the one over regulation where basically you can have one fish of any size and then the rest of your fish need to be below that that maximum size and the red lake is uh, very has a long history of being able to produce strong year classes of fish as long as we have the right amount of females um, we get good reproduction lots of spawning habitat big wind swept basin very fertile um, so so it's worked well for us it's all about having the right amount of females in there and when the fishery collapsed we didn't have enough females in there because we were over harvesting but since recovery and the use of of more restrictive regulations we've been able to manage that spawning stock um, for good reproduction so one thing you said kind
2: of earlier in the conversation was the the harvest on Up Red lake is a lot more in the winter versus the summer is that i mean is that one of the only lakes where you see that on or are you seeing that in a lot of lakes in your neck of the woods
0: um well it's very different you mentioned i'm a large lake specialist uh, for red and for cast cast lake is the exact opposite we have you know yep. we take less than 500 walleyes a winter off of cast the, the few cre- winter creels we've done that there's just not a lot of targeted walleye pressure for a number of reasons but um we, we've been able to be pretty balanced on red Uh, as far as summer and winter with oftentimes we do have a more liberal summer regulation one of the issues up there of course with only having access to the east side of the lake is that when the wind blows from the west as it often does you you just can't fish whereas in the winter time the wind blows and and you get blizzards and stuff but you know there's such good road infrastructure and there's um there's just a good system of uh of outfitters and resorts getting people on the lake to fish whether it's 40 below or or whether it's 40 above and, uh, whereas in the summer when the wind blows, the show's over, you just can't fish.
1: All right. Uh, you know, upper red and, and Mille Lacs, probably the two most intensely managed lakes in Minnesota, um, regulations, bag limits, seems like they're always being revised. Can you tell us a little bit about what the DNR is monitoring and what science goes into the decisions that are made on upper red lake?
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, being both of those lakes are in Minnesota's large lake program, which means they're intensively sampled. Uh, they have dedicated staff like myself, um, to collect the data and, and keep tabs on what's going on. And so as in our harvest plan, it really all revolves around those mature females. Um, like I mentioned, so that's sort of the, the science of it. Um, what we looked at to decide where that optimal range should be versus surplus, was how strong the year classes are based on how many mature females we have. And what we see is sort of this domed relationship where at moderate levels of mature females, we get the best reproduction uh, versus being too low or too high. And so that's really what we're focused on um, through our uh, our monitoring. And uh, we do some shoreline sanding in the summer to see, get a, a sort of a preview of what those year classes look like, but it's really our fall gillnets that tell us uh, how many of those fish we have at ages one, two, three, four, five? five, um, you know, when they're sort of just making their way into the population and into the fishery.
2: That's really interesting. Um, so, you know, you've talked about walleye structure, you know, quite a bit. Um, how has it changed since 2006? I think if I remember right, 2006 was when the walleye fishing reopened up again on Red Lake. Um. I mean, Red Lake is known for having lots of eater walleyes. Are you seeing more big fish than you did in the past? Like, is there recent years you see stuff that maybe pushing that
0: high twenties or thirties? There's a few, you know, um, I've seen a few pictures of 29 inch fish. Um, there's, and there's definitely seemingly in the last few years, a few more 21, 22, 23, but um they don't get big it's it's not like a lake of the woods or uh, or malax or something where we do have lots of bigger fish we have old fish but they generally just don't get very big um so I, you know one of the things that uh it, it produces a lot of fish and that's a lot of pretty intense uh pressure on the forage and so when you think about mid-sized forage we talk a lot about that with our citizen group it's it's really perch um there's some gold eye up there that provides some mid-sized forage as well mid sized being say five to seven inches somewhere the bigger than a shiner um you know and there's some white suckers too uh that produce uh, young of the year every year that grow into that size that are are utilized as forage but um there's there's probably not as as robust of a forage population as some of those other lakes that that grow some of those bigger fish and it just seems like energetically our fish once they get to 19 20 21 inches they just slow down and don't grow a whole lot more
1: yeah that was actually my next question for you tony that's a really important thing uh is, is keeping an eye on that forage base and if you get a ton of walleyes in there and nothing for them to eat you know you, you don't really have a, a good fishery you know what goes in i know you talk we've been talking about bag limits but Is there anything else that that you guys can do to help manage that forage base and make sure that there's fish in there for these predators to eat
0: yeah it's it's really sort of that top-down control of walleyes you know with whether it whether it's bag limit or whether it's a size restriction um i mentioned that we revised the harvest plan in 2015 and that was a lot of that was because a few years before that we were in a situation we were at 46 walleyes per gill net in only three perch per gill net and so that's not very balanced and we thought we need to get some more walleyes out of here and give them give all the new fish in the population that a chance to grow and we were seeing you know pretty slow growth rates and it was just that told us that uh, we were we were just about maxing out how much harvest was um, available in the original plan and we were still seeing all these signs of what we call density dependence where it's just basically crowding of of these fish where they don't have enough resources to grow and, um, and behave normally, like, you know, like they might in other lakes. And so these more aggressive, um, target harvest levels have really helped us to, to shape what the the whole fish community looks like.
2: So when i think about red lake um at least for like my age group i think about the crappie population like i grew up fishing you know the red lake crappie boom where where are things at in terms of crappie population these days
0: yeah they, they've sort of retreated back to a background species i would say at this point um we do see some fish and and as you know those those red lake crappies are really thick fish they're sort of known for having big shoulders and you know 14 even 15 inch fish there's a there's a decent bunch of them are out there right now, about 11 inches, and that's the most significant uh, recruitment of crappies we've seen really since the walleye recovery. Um, and they're they were even catching a few crappies in July this year, even into August. So uh, they're out there. It's pretty difficult to target. Uh, they're not really at that level of abundance. Some of the some of the folks that fished them during that boom that sort of know where they tend to congregate can catch a few more than than the average guy, but um, it's sort of just a bonus fish is, I guess, how I would ca- uh, characterize it.
1: Yeah, You talked about the resorts a little bit earlier on, Upper Red. Uh, really well known as one of the first destination lakes to have fishable ice. Early season can be really like a carnival atmosphere out there. I mean, just tons and tons of people. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that angler pressure on the lake kind of evolves as the season goes on?
0: Yeah, it certainly does. Um you know we see as you mentioned that really strong pressure early ice and that's changed we used to not really worry about getting our creel survey going until you could get a four-wheeler on the ice uh, because there just wasn't that much pressure you know on say walkable ice but that's changed over the last five six years now as soon as you can walk on it there are hundreds if not thousands of people out there fishing so um we get uh we get lots of early ice pressure uh particularly the month of December, we take a big chunk of our entire winter harvest will occur in December. And uh, depending on how much snow cover we get uh, that, that can change, but, and how early the freeze up is. If we get a freeze up, you know, at Thanksgiving time, then, you know, we'll have really strong December harvest. If, if the freeze ups, not to, you know, more into mid December, then it it bleeds out into February to January, a little bit more. Um, but once we get a lot of you know pressure because red is unique and that we only have you know about 40% of the upper lake to fish um for state anglers i think a lot of that noise um when you start getting lots of wheelhouses and generators and plows you know all those fish have to do is swim a few miles and they can have all the peace and quiet they want and um so there is some some effect of of pressure where it's almost self-regulating in some ways where when it gets really really crazy busy it tends to uh, suppress the bite a little bit and then near the end of the season in February as folks are starting to trickle back home sometimes that bite will pick back up and February catch rates will will improve again but it's definitely well known as as a hot early ice bite
1: yeah what's that like for you as a manager to handle a lake like that that you know you've got the lower lake and then you've got the west side of the upper lake that there's really not a whole lot going on there and there's so much that happens in one section uh, just because of the tribal boundaries how does that make your job more difficult to kind of i guess make the fishery what it is
0: yeah well it's the cooperation with the band you know uh, as a state agency we don't have anything to do with management on the West part of upper Red Lake or, or lower Red Lake. Um, but the Red Lake fisheries technical committee that I referenced earlier, um, that's sort of the, the body or the group that makes, um, broad management decisions about how many fish should we take? Should we take more? Should we take less? And then each jurisdiction is free to make the regulations as they see fit to manage, uh, for a certain level of harvest, uh, you know, in their jurisdiction. So, Um, it's all based on a, how many pounds per acre, um, it's it's on a pounds per acre basis. So each jurisdiction in the optimal condition gets, um, that, uh, two and a half to five pounds per acre of harvest. And in the surplus condition, you get five to seven pounds per acre of harvest. And then, um, how that's done and with what size restrictions and whatever is for each manager to... To make their own decision to ensure that their uh, waters stay within that range so if there's somebody who's heading up to upper Red lake for the
2: first time um, you know maybe it's their first time ever going up there what advice would you give them or what advice do you have for them
0: yeah well talk to the local resorts or bait shops um, and they'll they'll put you on you know good colors good lures to try that sort of a thing um my advice to everybody whether it's your first time or not their first time is uh you know get as far away from the next closest angler as you can there's there's not a lot of structure there isn't um like real pinpoint areas where the walleyes are concentrated so um, it just seems like the farther you can get away from the next closest person um, that's that's where you want to fish whether there may be some broad information like oh the fish are shallow meaning say five to seven or eight feet or they're a little bit deeper maybe out to you know 10 or 12 or 14 feet even which is about maximum depth Um, and those things are are broadly helpful when considering where to go but once you get out there and decide okay we're going to fish along the the north shore and the fish are generally shallow you just want to get as far away from the next person as you can and uh, that seems to work out pretty well for folks
1: Tony, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and kind of sharing your knowledge and and help. Hopefully people can get a little bit better understanding of what goes on up on Upper Red Lake through our conversation. Was there anything that we didn't ask you today or we didn't talk about that you think is important?
0: No, maybe just one other thing is, you know, Red has a really high quality northern pike population uh, with outstanding size structure. Fish up to 44 uh, plus inches um, doesn't get a lot of targeted pressure there. Uh, you know, Lake of the Woods is well known for its uh, northern pike fishing, but it may be a little trickier to target on red, but they're out there. Um, you know, there's a 30 to 40 inch protected slot. Um, and then with one fish allowed over that, of course, and um, they're, they're, it's a fish of a, it's a memory making fish when you do find one. And uh, there's there's not a lot of, of people that are really targeting them, but uh, something else to keep in mind beyond the, you know, the eater walleyes and the bonus crappie.
1: Yeah, there's nothing like having that picture of that giant northern in your hand, especially on the ice. It's, it's just a, a very cool picture. Uh, Tony, really appreciate you coming on again, sharing uh, your knowledge with us and with the audience. Uh, just again, thanks so much. For Blake Tollefson and Tony, I'm Chris Larson. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.